Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson and special guest Mike Renner. Mike, what are you doing here, man? I took a wrong turn, apparently, and got here. Did you, did you hack us? Mike, Mike, you're on mute. This is, this is unacceptable. You're, you're on mute with uh, the alive uh, Zoom cam here. But uh, yeah, we invited Mike Renner onto the podcast. Sam, how you doing, by the way? Doing good, Steve. I see you, uh, you've made it to a different stadium. Yes, last time you put me in AAA, Chuck Chansey Park in Fresno. I have now you look like you bought a ticket made it to, to the get big there. leagues. Hmm. This is the old uh, Pac Bell, AT and T, Oracle Park, whatever it's called right now. <laughs> made it to the show. Nice. <laughs> Fine. I did actually buy a ticket to catch a game here one time and uh, sat in a similar seat overlooking the ocean. Anyway, uh, yes, I made it to the big leagues here on our Zoom call with the Giants. Um, so we've got. Sam here, obviously. And then we invited Mike because last podcast, if you guys listened, Sam and I did a mock draft. And who better to tell us how good or bad we did than Mike Renner, our draft guru and co-host of the two for one drafts podcast, which is hot right now. Mike, isn't it hot right now? You guys uh, tearing it up? Very hot. We actually had a draft guide giveaway, which ended up turning into just if you left your email on a review, we just gave away the draft guides because we kind of screwed it up. And so <laughs> we gave away like 100 draft guides. Nice. So, wow. You guys yeah. uh, That'll help miss out if numbers. you're not listening. Yeah. You're doing a great job with uh, giveaways over there. So um, anyway, let's get to the mock draft. Uh, Mike, you've got the document in hand. Let's just go. Do you want to go pick by pick? Sure. Or uh, let's, let's just go through it. Um, we've got some 
explaining to do with what happened picks two through five um we we got creative so you might need like a notepad and yeah it's gonna be um it's interesting so we'll go pick by pick kind of review what we did so sam and i were going back and forth on each pick i had number one i took joe burrow to the bengals Uh, i think it's pretty obvious there i think a plus right for me yeah i mean it's either A plus or F, this pick. If you don't go Joe Burrow, hmm. it's an F. If you go Joe Burrow, A plus. Now, we might be working on something behind the scenes here where you might be able to mock draft at some point. And um, I know some guys were playing around with it. And the the thought of the Bengals trading down for a ridiculous haul is appealing if you can get Tua. Hmm. Do, you, do you think that's even in the cards ever for the Bengals? <sighs> No, because one, I don't think the Dolphins would be willing. The Dolphins are the only team that would give that up. And I don't think the Dolphins, you'd have to give up 5, 18, and 26. And that's just, the Dolphins roster is so bad that I don't know if they'd do it. All so. right. So, so Joe Burrow at one. Sam, I'll let you take over to try to explain what happened it's with not, pick number two. It's not like it's that complicated. Well, there's three teams involved, so you just sure. you got to keep track of some stuff, and we we put it in the right of the dock there, I mean, Mike, so you can you, you can, can separate it. Okay. it into two separate trades if the three way thing is breaking your brain. Um, the basic premise was that you know Washington trades down from two from Miami. They they basically swap you know five up to two. Washington gets um, they obviously five. They get um, eighteen, and then they get Miami's second round pick as well. They Miami yeah. keeps their second first or the third first, but they give up two of them and a second round pick to jump from five all the way to two to draft Tua. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of this is that Washington isn't done. They then want to jump back up to Detroit to still pick number three and get Chase Young. So they okay. then flip. Uh, they then flip thirty nine, the second round pick second to jump okay. back up two spots. For the, for the Redskins, it's perfect because they get to pick up an extra pick and still pick Chase Young. For Detroit, the logic was they're basically gambling entirely that the Giants won't take Akuda and they can still take Akuda and pick up an extra second-round pick. And for them, there's, there's no downside. And then obviously Miami gets a second quarterback and everybody's happy. Yeah, I, so the Lions thing, I've kept saying there's no... Even if they only pick up like a fourth-rounder, it makes so much sense for them to trade down because... Giants aren't drafting Cuda. Right. If the, and if they're moving down to even the Chargers at six, the Dolphins aren't drafting Cuda after they just signed Byron Jones. They have two highest paid corners in the NFL. So they're not right. going to draft another corner. So they can trade down to either five or six and still get their guy. <laughs> Jesus. There it is. Uh, but, they, but they can also. So that one makes sense. The, the Redskins one, I don't know if they'd go ahead and do that. But if you're picking up that much draft capital, I can't hate on it. I mean, the. the so the Redskins, I think, make out the best in this entire thing. I, I really think everybody's happy because the Redskins pick up an extra first rounder and still get the guy that everybody's saying that they need to take in Chase Young. And I think we're also at the point here where we say, if you have a top five pick, unless you're picking a quarterback, the way you maximize that value is to accumulate more picks, not so much the player. Uh, and they kind of get the best of both worlds there with uh, with Chase Young potentially, if that's how the draft falls, with Chase Young and the extra first. But um, so the way it ended up landing, right, Sam takes Tua for the Dolphins at number two, and I do end up taking Chase Young for the Redskins at number three. I really think everybody's happy. It's a legitimate three-way deal that could happen in the NFL. I don't hate it. 
I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't hate it. <laughs> Mike, where are you on the Dolphins with their quarterback stuff, right? Because there's been reports that they are not in love with Tua the way everybody has been assuming they are, or at least they would take him after Joe Burrow goes number one. The first reports are kind of like, well, they're not going to take Tua. They might take Justin Herbert that high. And then that seems to have progressed to Miami might actually try and throw the entire farm in the direction of the Bengals and get Burrow. So I do think they would want Burrow. And I do think they'd be willing to go a lot, you know, maybe 5-18, maybe a next year first round or something. But I'm not sure it's still going to be enough to get all the way up to one. Um, so I, I can see that being the case. I, I just don't believe the Herbert smoke. Like I, I, I think if they're moving up, they're moving up for Tua. If they get jumped by, I think they're, they'd be willing to get jumped by the Chargers because I think with the way their roster is, they just need too many holes. They have too many holes to where if you trade all those first round picks to move up and get one guy, you're still like that. That doesn't put you in that much better of a situation. So I do think they could, the Chargers could be the one who move up and go get Tua. But, and then they draft Herbert, but I don't think they're going up and drafting right. Herbert uh, in yeah. this scenario, in any so scenario. That, that answers the second part, that they would take Herbert at five yeah. if the Chargers jumped so. above them to take Tua. Do you think they would take Herbert over Tua if they were given the choice at five? No. I just can't see how you could independently evaluate both and go that route. But, I again, someone drafted Josh Allen seventh overall, <laughs> so anything can happen. And, like, Herbert's got – Herbert's a very, I don't want to say very similar prospect to Josh Allen, but he's got as strong an arm and is would, probably yeah. more accurate. So. It would be for similar reasons, right? You yeah. just fall in love with the tools. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen was one of the ingredients in my if you threw Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota, and there was one other guy. All into a blender, you got Justin Herbert. It was all those guys kind of rolled into one. I love yeah, those see, like multiplayer comps where you just throw these right. three guys into one. Right. Yeah. I've seen all of these guys in him. That's what it is. Um, I, I, I will say the fact that Daniel Jeremiah kind of came out more cryptically and said, hey, I think NFL teams are a little bit lower on guys that have injury concerns. To me, that that's more of like this is a real statement that there are actually teams that are just worried about the injury stuff beyond the hip with Tua, too. I mean, if, if even if he didn't have a career-ending hip injury, mm-hmm. c- college career-ending, he still was just ankle. banged up all the time, had an yeah. ankle here and there. You know, he was just well, always he broke his up. nose in the same play he broke his hip. Like, <laughs> he had two injuries right. on one play, yeah. But, like, teams really look at that and say, yeah. if I'm going to invest five years in this guy, I need him to be healthy. And they also believe that 6'6 males are more durable this is than true. six foot one males. I mean, they really believe that's the case. So does that apply to six ten also, Steve? Does the taller no, you I get, think the there's more diminishing durable? returns. Okay. Once you get once you get past Osweiler height, all right. diminishing returns on all. Yeah, we have back injuries and knee injuries and all that stuff. So six six, that's a strapping young man. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a guy that's going to stay healthy. That's what I was trying to get out of him when I, I was replying to him a little bit. I was trying to work out that. So obviously, degenerative injuries are one thing, right? It's like you've got you've done something that's going to be a chronic problem for the rest of your career that that's fair to have like a red flag on that but if you have a guy that just has sort of successive freak injuries if you like stuff that shouldn't be a long-term problem but you just have them year on year and therefore back-to-back seasons you had a a season-ending injury should that immediately be a red flag that drops a guy because you know there are players that aren't as durable. It's, it's not a size thing, but you do come across players that just have like, you know, Tyler Eifert, there's nothing 
that should physically be mm-hmm. you break every single season, and yet that happens, right? So how many of those need to stack up every year before you're like, all right, I'm not touching this guy because he's too much of a durability question mark? I think so much of it comes down to playing style, though, especially a quarterback. I think the QBs that get banged up are the guys that just, you know, take more hits, you know, either hold the ball longer in the pocket, you know, scramble and don't know how to avoid hits. Russell Wilson knows how to avoid hits, right? I mean, there are certain guys who still scramble and know how to slide and know how to avoid hits and know how to run out of bounds. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has been injured a couple times and both times he got hurt. He was trying to do a little extra on a play. It happened a with lot the Patriots. extra that ACL is <laughs> well, stupid as shit. Okay, well, it was the Patriots. He, <laughs> he took a shoulder injury, taking a hit he shouldn't have taken in one of his starts there. And then with San Francisco, yeah, he tried to get that one extra yard and juke somebody for a yard and blew, you know, blew out his ACL. I think those are the guys that are more injury prone. So um, Tua might fall into that into that mix. And, you know, teams are sometimes risk averse when it comes to the injury stuff. Well, I've been saying that the injuries with the, the coronavirus thing going on, the guys with the medical history are probably going to get dropped down boards because teams can't individually vet them. But I will right. say with Tua, it's probably different because of how big the investment is, how unique a situation it is. And you have two teams really in the mix for them in Miami and Los Angeles chargers that they will get the medical history. Some they'll find a way, you know? Well, it sounds like he also got, evaluated by Tennessee's uh, team doctor, who's like a world-renowned hip specialist. So I think it's one of those deals where they're like, the league is clubbing together to make sure that they have his evaluation on point. Yeah, they share the medical stuff behind the scenes is what uh, a lot of people have said. Right. All right, so back to the mock here. We got Burrow, number one. Tua, number two, goes to the Dolphins, who traded up. Three, the Redskins have taken Chase Young, moving the Lions to number five. That puts Sam back on the board with the number four pick and the New York Giants. Where'd you go here, Sam? So this is the thing, right? We we had like a sort of halfway house between the mock that we would do, which is, you know, PFF standard MO, and then a little bit of like, you know, the story is too good here, and this is what a team is going to do, so why fight it? Mm-hmm. So the Giants are going to take a tackle at four, almost yes. regardless of what happens. Now, there's a lot of talk that they'll take Mekhi Becton, so where we changed it is, well, look, all right, let's accept that Dave Gettleman is going to Dave Gettleman and take a tackle, but we're not going to let him go all the way crazy and mm-hmm. take Beckton. We're going to give him the tackle that we think would be the one to take. Hence, Andrew Thomas. Yeah, so I've said there's a 99.9% chance that it's either Makai Beckton, Tristan Wirfs, or Isaiah Simmons with this pick. Yeah. Just because you're top five, you're chasing freak athletic traits. Those guys, all freak athletic traits. But Andrew Thomas, to me, is that classic argument of He's a very he's an above well above average athlete has above average length for the position. He just might not be as freaky as some of the other guys in this class, but on the football field he's better. Right. So like it's not limiting him in any way, shape, or form his athleticism. So don't go chase the freakiness. Get the guy who's actually good at football. To me, that's Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I've been of the mind that Andrew Thomas, our top tackle. Uh, I know you like him, Mike. I like him a ton. I, I just like the combination of what he does in the run game. Don't think he has a ton of weaknesses there. What he does in pass protection has played both sides of the line for whatever that's worth throughout his career. Um, but I like the. I think some teams going to win with Thomas lower because of what you just mentioned. Because somebody's going to probably overdraft back in overdraft Werfs, and whether it's the Cardinals at eight or the or the Browns at ten, they're going to get an Andrew Thomas probably. Uh, you know, lower than he should go, I think. So I, I think it's a solid pick for the Giants here. Uh, that put the Lions back up on the board with Jeffrey Akuda. So again, we went win, win, win. 
We think the Lions, who they remember, they pick up number 39 overall in this draft. So now they're going to walk away with Jeffrey Akuda at five mm-hmm. and then another potential starter at 39. And I think that's uh, a huge win for them. So there's no way you could disagree with my pick there, right? Yeah, the Lions can't can't lose this draft. Realistically, they shouldn't be able to lose this draft. They should be a winner no matter what walking away from this. Akuda, no brainer. And, and now you have a really good secondary. Hopefully you have, you know, Justin Coleman. Amani Orare, Desmond Trufant, Jeffrey Akuda. That's a classic man coverage secondary that you can play a lot of matchups with. And so, yeah, Akuda seems like a no-brainer. I've seen people suggest that, uh, you know, because they traded away Darius Slay, that the Lions aren't necessarily in this mold of valuing coverage over, you know, a lot of other things. But it's entirely possible and, in fact, plausible that they just didn't rate Darius Slay above all these other facets. No, Darius Slay just he was he wanted out. Like he well, that was right. not after they traded Quandre Diggs and after they so apparently they put up an Instagram of him or Matt Patricia put up an Instagram of him and Odell Beckham uh and and said uh some derogatory th- words that I can't repeat, but and then Darius Slay was butthurt about that ever since and never got over it. So he had to go. Yeah, that was more of an off field uh, yeah. an off field issue than a philosophical issue. Um yeah. Real quick, Mike, do you have a feeling knowing the Patricia Belichick tree, like if they are sitting there with Chase Young on the board and have the option to take him, does he fit what they like to do? Not that it, everybody needs a pass rusher, but of all the teams that want more more power players and guys that just keep contained rather than guys that dominate, are the Lions, the Dolphins, the Patriots, are they the team that might say, eh, maybe Chase Young isn't as generational for us as others? I think they'd still use him. I think the whole... And the Belichick philosophy is also about flexibility in terms of putting your players in a position to succeed. And a talent like that, like you could throw them inside at three technique, and I th- still think Chase Young would be one of the best three techniques in the NFL. Like, yeah. He's just he's that good. So I, I don't think th- that they would pass on him if he's on the board. All right, so back to the mock draft. We're at number six overall. Sam has the Chargers, and it's probably one of the pivot points right here, Sam. Yeah, this was the first pick that I thought was an ugly spot to be in. Um, in terms of just not loving the way the board mashed up with what you want and or need. There's no way I'm I'm just not doing the Justin Herbert thing this high in the draft. I can't can't do it. Um, and I think the Chargers, like if you're going to be in a spot where you're punting for next year, like they're not in the worst spot in the world quarterback wise to do that. Um, so at that point, you just take the best guy available in a position that is a need and tackle is always a need for the Chargers. So let's grab Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, I, I think they should go either Isaiah Simmons or Tristan Wirfs here and obviously address quarterback in free agency or you get, get someone like trade for Andy Dalton, do something that's not uh, pigeonhole yourself into Justin Herbert. And they even the report is they don't like Justin Herbert it is the sort of the smoke around the Chargers. And I mean, I can see why we don't like Justin Herbert. Like there, there, there are reasons to be worried about uh, his game, but I think they're, they just like... I just feel like moving into a new stadium, having no fans last year, being the last stack in the NFL, they have to get. I think, I think their goal is to get someone in the draft that's going to move the needle uh, f- because of that, or like, you know, a guy that's going to sort of rally the fan base sort of thing, which obviously isn't going to be an offensive tackle. But I mean, their offensive line is so bad, they need it. And, and, or, and they just, so I, I think I, if this were the board the way it's played out right now, I'd probably go worse myself. It's funny because I think we've all dreamed of this Isaiah Simmons 
matchup that that you've said that that uh match together yeah, with the Chargers. With yeah him and Derwin on the same field with Chris Harris and then Sam's brought up the fact if Oku if Okuda did drop and the Chargers mm-hmm. who have loaded up in their secondary and they just do it yeah. again with Okuda man awesome. how incredible would that be I mean, but you almost have to do that to try to compete with the Chiefs right once you figure out that quarterback situation yeah balance is so overrated the elite at one thing, you know, like, like the Eagles just have the most dominant defensive line. It doesn't matter who's in your secondary. They just have the most dominant secondary. It doesn't matter who and they, they have pass rush, but it doesn't matter anything else at that point. It's, it's unfortunate, I guess, to a point. I don't know if that's the right word, but the fact that the Chargers just don't have the quarterback situation figured out, like if they had, say, uh, Philip Rivers, they would be <laughs> sitting here with a pretty good roster and a flexible number six overall pick with all the other offseason additions where you would say, OK, they are not right there with the chiefs but they're going to compete again they're two years removed from competing with the chiefs in that division so uh fascinating spot for the chargers to be in um i came up at number seven i had the panthers uh, i went with isaiah simmons here i think just their entire defense needs playmakers their entire back seven cornerbacks a huge issue but i think they could they could grab that on the turn in the second round so i figure simmons with keekly retiring and uh pairing mm-hmm. him with Shaq thompson yeah, I mean, the Panthers are realistically fairly set on offense at, at like pretty much every position at this point. Maybe tight end, but you're not going to dress tight end here. I, I think Isaiah Simmons makes too much sense for replacing Luke Keekley. I, I think in, this is one that's also like in real life, very likely to happen as well. Oh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a very likely one as well. We've sat here and debated Isaiah Simmons usage. I think everybody has. I know you have. Where, where do you land on how he's best used at the next level? I think you want to put him at linebacker and he might not be great against the run, but I think at true deep safety, he's, he's just not, not as good and, and not going to be involved in more plays. Like you want him around the line of scrimmage involved in as many plays as possible. Uh, and so like linebacker who also has that flexibility to, you know, let you not go to dime ever, you know, you can stay in your nickel against four wide outs or whatever, just because he's that talented and that, you know, sort of, Movable, or if you're Seattle, you can stand base all game. Yeah, <laughs> that. All right, so Simmons goes at seven. Sam, you're up at eight with the Arizona Cardinals, and you definitely threw a curveball here. Yeah, another one where I'm not again entirely in love with the way the board has fallen. Um, but I think the Cardinals have a pretty big need as an interior defensive lineman. And as much as everyone is talking about Derek Brown and where should he go, and he's the best player there. I think Kinlaw is the one that's the best pass rusher, and that's the thing that moves the needle. So let's take the most disruptive interior player you can find, and that's what the Cardinals are doing. Yeah, I still think they would love to go offensive line here, just with how bad their offensive line is and, you know, Kyler Murray, how valuable, how much you have invested in that, and how much we've seen, like, run-heavy offenses with a mobile quarterback just be successful in the NFL. So I would probably go tackle Jedrick Wills. His athleticism makes a lot of sense there. But Javon Kinlaw, I, I think on the next draft board update, he's going to be above Derek Brown. He's just good. He really is a freaky interior pass rusher. He has all the traits to get it done. They feel like a team that won't go hard to address offensive line and will sort of bank on at least half of the offensive line issue being made better by the fact that they have Kyla Murray, they have this sort of variant of a spread offense that will, Mm -hmm. you know, limit what they ask them to do. They just signed DJ Humphreys again for whatever that's worth. 
and they have they've kind of thrown some resources at that offensive line, but it's been banged up. I wonder if they think that a healthy group actually isn't as bad as it looked. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Gilbert comes back. Justin Pugh's like injured every year. Right. Uh, Speaking of injury I, prone. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I, I hope they invest because. Gosh, Kyler Murray, like it still was pretty ugly last year. He just re- he shored up a lot of it just via his mobility. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. They could go the Seahawks route. You know, not, the Seahawks did. They have invested in the offensive line. Not well. Can't but there was that. a point early in his career where they're like, yeah, we'll just kind of let Russell bail us out and we'll invest in other positions. I, I could see Arizona maybe going that route. Yeah. Tom Cable literally said pass protections on the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, look, we, the run game. I mean, we agree too. To a point, like as far as like yeah. inviting pressure and quick release well, and steaming it up, sacks are on the court. It's but, a pretty yeah. convenient spin for a Tom Cable, though. No, yeah. no, no, look, it's not my fault. Pass protections on the QB. Talk to that guy. Yeah, that's a good way to good way to put it. Mike, do you think the Cardinals are even are the receivers attractive enough here, even with Nuke in the mix? Are the receivers just so tantalizing in a spread offense, even with all the investment they've made? To me, they are. I don't think the Cardinals will because of, again, you've used a lot of draft capital. He's a second rounder last year, two, four, four, fourth, fifth. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love it if they did. I mean, that would be just CD land. There would be ridiculous to watch, but I just, I don't think they will. So they go Kinlaw there at eight. I'm up with the Jaguars at nine and we're sitting here now. Every time a team that needs a quarterback, I think the Justin Herbert question came up in our mind whether it's the Jags at nine maybe the Raiders at 12 but doubtful there Broncos at 15 are they in the mix yeah, he's a big tall guy with a cannon that John Elway might like but I'm sitting here with the Jags at nine I decided to pass on Justin Herbert and go Jerry Judy um, debated between him and CD Lamb and said okay Judy's I think the guy that I would want to pair with Minshew right now and have him uh, combined with DJ Chark as the one-two punch there yeah, if the Jaguars don't go wide receiver at nine, I'll be. I, I mean, I don't. This is the one where they have to go wide receiver. Like the wide receivers are too good. You're not good enough at wide receiver right now. Like, yes, you have some interesting names. You have DJ Chark, Marquise uh, Brown. No, Lee. Gosh, Lee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Marquise Lee. D.D. Westbrook. Like you have some guys there, but none of them are super. None of them are real needle movers. Get a number one wide receiver. Like, go get a number one wide receiver. Don't do the. Leonard Fournette thing again. Go get a Derek Brown here. Get you a, a lot of people one are giving receiver. them Derek Brown, and we just yes. talked about. I, I'm with you, Mike, on the Kinlaw versus Brown debate. I think Kinlaw's pass rush ability. Say, I'm, I'm with. I'm agreeing with all you guys. Kinlaw over Brown. I think next time we update it, but um, a lot of people are just slotting Derek Brown in here for the Jags because I mean the need is there, but it's not going to. It's not going to push you over the hump like you've had a bad offense for years, and just because you now start to have yeah. some all right wide receivers doesn't mean you still can't add there I, I it would just be crazy to me if they pass uh, on this wide receiver class so your your uh, comp for Derek brown is one that i like mike you've had akeem hicks right as your mm-hmm. your comparison to him the reason i think that that's really interesting is because he's had a season or two where he's actually like he's not been elite but he's been a good pass rusher right he's yeah. his sort of upside or ceiling as that power pass rusher where you can kind of threaten 10 sacks you can get you know 50 pressures or so as this power force like if that if brown actually hits that ceiling and becomes akeem hicks 2.0 how high would how high should that be taken in the first round 
Or I mean, assuming it's the first round. So that's the thing. It's at the end of the day, if you in terms of like wins above replacement added, you'll probably be a top fifteen player in this draft class. I would imagine just because of how few players do end up being good, and he right. seems like a super high floor kind of guy. But I just think you should chase the guys. So he'll probably be like fifteenth and wins above replacement over the top over his four years. You should chase the guys in the top ten that are you think could be in the top five to top 10, you know, think it could even push the ceiling higher than that. Number one type of wide receivers like Jerry Judy are those guys who could end up as top five in this class in terms of wins above replacement at him. Do you, do you have any concerns with Judy playing on the outside at the next level, given how much he did from the slot and you know, he didn't really go over Not the middle really, a ton. because every time you see him against press, it was just, it was as good as it got, you know, like he just never got locked up there. That's so. the thing. Like everything he is so good at in terms of like, he just, his, Route running, releases, quickness, footwork, all of that stuff is at a completely different speed to anybody that's trying to cover him. That's the stuff that you need to avoid press coverage on the outside. So the second he sees it, it's the same, like it's the same as it is from the slot. He's just, he's absolutely tying up cornerbacks that can't, can't mirror him. All right, so now we get to number 10, and Sam, you're up with the Cleveland Browns, and you went Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston. Yeah. So base, obviously, the Browns are another one of those absolute nailed on to go tackle pretty much. Um, but because they just handed uh, or Jack Conklin big money uh, in free agency, they need a specific left tackle because there's no way they're flipping them. So Josh Jones. I so Wills is higher on our board. But he's a right tackle, and mm-hmm. I think it's, he's more of a projection. If you're playing for this year, I would bet Josh Jones is a better pass protector year one. So if you're trying to improve to win now and win maybe in the next year, uh, like I don't, I don't disagree with it. I do think Wills offers more just of the athletic traits and the, more in the run game. But, again, we don't really care too much about the run game. Right. So I'm not going to argue too much if you go Josh Jones over Dredick Wills. The other option for them would be to sign Wills and then – or draft Wills and then sign a Jason Peters who's still out in the open market, give you that one-year bridge at left tackle, at least shore it up, and mm-hmm. let him develop in year two and beyond. I, I, I mean, I can't believe no one's at least tried to sign him yet. But, yeah. I mean, Peters they may well have. Play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, he strikes me as the kind of guy that may well be sitting on the couch until, you know – September rolls around. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) training camp. I'm not in. Um, Yeah, Mike, I made the same move in my mock draft where I just debated. All the other tackle needy teams essentially need tackles on both sides. And I know we Mm -hmm. it's not about a left tackle, right tackle value thing, as somebody mentioned in the comments last week. It's not about Jedrick Wills played right tackle. He protected to his blind side. It's more if I don't have to flip a guy, I don't want to. And and guys flip all the time, but I don't want to have to do it if I don't have to. Right. Yeah. Like, do I want to take Jack Conklin and flip him to left tackle in the sixth year of his career? Do I want to take Jedrick Wills and move him to left tackle? Probably not. Um, unless, unless to Sam's point, maybe it is like a year down the road. So um, that left Wills on the board for the Jets at number 11. I think they are serious. I've seen like Caleb on chase on. I've seen all sorts of different picks for them at 11, Yikes. but I think they have to go offense and their debate again is, did they invest with five free agent offensive linemen, did they did they invest enough in the offensive line? We don't really think so. And do they have to shore that up at least to get that to creep back to an average before adding the playmakers? So I was banking on let me get Wills in there, put him at tackle. Chuma Adoga is going to battle at left tackle with George Fant, and then we'll grab a receiver on the turn. Yeah, I think. 
Tackle or wide receiver? Just got to be tackle or wide receiver here with the value that those two positions represent and the need and just how good these guys are in the tackle and wide receiver class. So, yeah, Jedrick Wills being the best available there, that one would be a no-brainer. Chuma Adoga versus uh, George Fant would qualify for your Aliens versus Predator picture again, Mike? <laughs> hey, Chuma, Adoga, don't hate on Adoga. Chuma's got right? some skills. I liked, Adoga, I liked Adoga coming out, but it didn't go well year one. He, he was, I was never going to go well year one. He was like 285 <laughs> pounds. The dude needed to add like 20 more pounds to play tackle. We'll see how he looks this year. All right, and then we get to uh, number 12. Sam's up with the first pick for the Raiders. And where do you go, Sam? This is one of my favorite picks in the draft. I don't know that this could fall any better for the Raiders than snagging a guy like C.D. Lamb with their first of two first-round picks. I think this would be an absolute absolute steal for them. Yeah, this draft looks like it's falling amazingly well for the Raiders, just in real life as well. Like, one of those top wide receivers is going to be on the board at 12, and oh yeah they need a number one wide receiver so i do think cd lamb if whoever it is c lamb jerry judy uh henry ruggs like you can't go wrong if you're the if the las vegas raiders here so yeah cd lamb cd lamb would be my choice for them too if they could have any of the three just because of uh that offense and what they need in terms of number one what he does what he brings to the table yeah that that's that's been my take as far as best fits in the first round i think lamb paired with Derek carr Derek carr needs a go-to guy that he can trust. And as far as, do you think if I say that, if I say the phrase go-to guy does, you know, a guy that can win all over the place is lamb, yeah. the most well-rounded receiver when you compare him to rugs and Judy and some of the other guys. Yeah, I think so. And just like physical, more physical than Judy can probably run a more complete route tree at all levels and win at all levels more consistently. Uh, Judy probably better down the football field, but Lamb just like that physicality is probably going to play uh, out the gate. Yeah, he's uh, so he just feels like the type of guy that that Derek Carr needs. Like let's let's mm-hmm. get him throwing the ball down the field a little bit more, uh, and that put me up on the board for the 49ers at 13. Uh, they traded DeForest Buckner for this pick. I think they can make it a game changing pick, and if Henry Ruggs is on the board, I think a team that was right there with the Chiefs putting speed on the field last year adding even more speed. It just plays to what they want to do. They'll find creative ways to get him the football. I think the fit's great here for the 49ers and rugs. Yeah, I don't, I, I think they just go, you know, best wide receiver available. Also, uh, a lot of people are not as high on that for some reason, because they have, you know, Jalen Hurd, Marquise Goodwin coming back, but those guys, I mean, they're not Henry rugs. Like Marquise Goodwin had, 400 yards this last year of college and that that was i know rugs production isn't great but even he was better than that at alabama uh yeah i think the speed that he brings to the table will just will work in that offense you don't need to have be a completely polished route runner all around to you know provide a ton of value and i think that's rugs where are you in terms of how excited people should be getting over rugs because recently it seems to have gotten a little bit out of control in terms of I'm, we're, he's going to be number one it, right the, we're, yeah. we're part of fueling it right the the analytics guys the the projections are saying he's the best receiver available and that he should go like they've been putting him at four of the giants and all this kind of stuff his odds have been slashed to be the number one receiver off the board is that getting a little bit out of control because i mean you know like uh, yeah, no, I think it is. I mean, I'd still there's still a tier one, and it's still Judy and Ceedee Lamb, and there's a there's a gap to me between them and Rugs in terms of what they bring to the table. Rugs, I just I did worry about you know NFL level physicality. He's 190 pounds. He's not a big dude, and he's not 
he's not as quick as Jerry Judy. I, I don't know. Like they obviously the testing numbers for Judy weren't great in terms of his you know shuttle, but like he's quick and elusive at the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure that's Henry Ruggs. He might have more. He might struggle more with press. You might have to scheme him more free releases than you do Jerry Judy. And now that's fine. Like the, the chief scheme, Tyreek Hill free releases, but I don't even think he's on Tyreek Hill level in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage. That's like one of the things Tyreek Hill is the best at. So uh, I, I do think there are some issues there, but yeah, that explosiveness, most guys who are like that fast aren't also, you know, he had a 42 inch vertical and a four two seven forty. Like he can get up and he can get out in a hurry. Yeah. And yeah. There, there seems to be a ton of projection involved in, like so, if you want to claim that he's the best, most valuable receiver in this draft class, you have to project a lot of things to just translate automatically, right? Like the, pro- yes. the production isn't there. The fact that he didn't run the most diverse route tree in the world, there's no reason he can't. But like, it's it's projecting a lot of unknowns to to break in your favor for him to be that valuable. And there's also kind of the why were they throwing other guys to go balls? Right. Not, like he had the fourth most deep catches on Alabama last year. Like you're the, you're the fastest guy, the most explosive guy pretty easily. Why were you not, why were they not scheming you those targets? Yeah. I, I just think that the, it's not new for the NFL to chase speed, but I think mm-hmm. the recency bias of Tyreek Hill of 10 years of Deshaun Jackson of what Will Fuller did. Mike, we sat here a couple of years ago and debated the merits of Will Fuller, right? Oh, and you were all about him as a first rounder. And we, and, and we were looking at, well, he's not as polished and the horizontal route tree is not as clean. But mm-hmm. when you do have a guy where the offense completely changes and is that much more productive when he's on the field, I love, I ch- I'm all for chasing that. So that's where I stand in the rugs debate. It's cleaner maybe to get a CD lamb or a Jerry Judy, but Man, that's why Ruggs is so tantalizing, though, because you see how much defenses respect that guy just having him on the field. So mm-hmm. it's also um, fascinating because that guy is the one with the not Henry Ruggs specifically, but that sort of speed type receiver is the one with the widest spectrum of outcomes. Right. You can go all the way from, you know, the Deshaun Jackson, the 10 year deep threat that changes your offense to the Troy Williamson, where it just never happened. And he's out of the league in a couple of seasons. John Ross. There's yeah, John Ross, the there's thing, Ted right? Ginn, there's, there's all sorts of in between. There's Darius Hayward Bay, but he was, you know, those are those are big receivers too in there too, that just never really panned out. But um, all right, 14 overall, Sam was up with the Bucs. This felt like another another pivot point because the Bucs have some specific needs. I think if they fall, they'll be happy, but 14 is kind of a, a rough spot in this draft, I think, if, if you know, potentially if things don't fall mm-hmm. properly. Yeah, again, didn't love the way it landed, but I think if there's a glaring need, that's not even a glaring need. If there's a need on this team, it's on the offensive line. I know it played reasonably well last season, but A, I would expect it to take a step back because I think it played unsustainably well compared to their talent level. And B, they currently have Joe Haig to start at right tackle and you have Tom Brady to protect. So let's try and fix that. So who'd you pick, Sam? Oh, sorry, Mekhi Becton. I thought he was looking (laughs) at the spreadsheet. Yeah, Mekhi Becton... I get why he's going to go high and we're, I'm just low on him. Was he something like 40 something on the board just because of the risk involved, but he has all the tools to succeed. I don't love the fit in terms of like, they're really putting you out in space in that box offense at tackle. Like you are, I want him more in an Orlando Brown role with the Ravens where you're not on an, like you're either 
there's a tight end on your side or like you're protected a little bit more, you can get your hands on guys earlier in that Bucks offense like with the deep drops. And they might obviously switch that up with Tom Bray this year, but you're really as an offensive tackle, like one-on-one on islands a lot. And that's the thing I worry about the most with Mekhi Becton. But uh, I, I, there are some things he does that are pretty special on the football field. And he obviously, there's not a lot of guys, 370 pounds that move like him. And like he could probably stand to lose about 20-ish pounds or so. And I think he would be a freak in terms of his movement skills. Like he already is. But yeah, I, I do think that the, there's the switch could flip at some point. And when it does, it could be special. So I don't hate chasing the high end with a guy like him. Uh, that's where I am with Becton as far as like, I'd be willing to take that in the second round because it, it could, it could click. Um, I'd be scared to death if I, especially if I'm the box, right? How important is pass protection with Tom Brady for the next two years? And here's a guy that's a project to come in and maybe start a right tackle exactly, right away. Yeah. My thing with Becton, like I've never seen Mike, his just like simple blocks, just like simple outside zone blocks. He makes it look like, like a high school uh, highlight yeah. reel, the way he just threw guys around. I have never seen that at the college level, which also scares me too, because it's like th- those high end highlight reel things. I don't know that those are going to happen at the NFL level, just like front side of zone where you're just tossing dudes to the, to the ground. Did you see yeah. the, uh, did you see the play or the highlight reel that Jeff Schwartz and, and Duke posted about Orlando pace? Orlando pace. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same thing, right? Where he just takes a guy that's supposed to be a sort of let's let's slowly widen this block and just tosses him three yards away. That was Greg Robinson, yeah. though, as well. Yeah. Back in the day. So also uh, Justin Smith or Justin Smith. Is that Jason the, no, Smith. Jason Smith. Right? That's it. Sorry. The Jason dra- Smith drafted ahead of uh, Aaron Donald. Right. By the Rams. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Becton seems like a little risk there for the Bucks at 14, uh, 15. I was up with the Denver Broncos. I think I think the Bucks and Broncos are a couple teams that would love to have the wide receivers fall or the tackles fall or certain positions fall. Uh, Broncos, I went corner with Christian Fulton. I still think they have some work to do there with Chris Harris leaving, bringing Bradley Roby back. Still think they're at least one corner away from feeling good about that secondary. So I liked Fulton there. Yeah, so I, I love I love the Fulton pick because I think he's best the best zone corner in this entire draft class. Obviously, the Broncos, Vic Fangio, that's what they do there. So I, I do like it. I think the NFL seems to be lower on, or everyone that comes out is lower on Fulton. And, and the 19 tape was not as good as the 18 tape, but they played more man coverage in 19. They played more zone in 18. So that's kind of why I, I thought he is a better in zone than a pure man scheme. And so the Broncos would be a great fit, and I think he'd be great there. Uh, I just I'm not sure if they're go- they'd be pulling the trigger. I'm not sure where else they'd go at this point with all the receivers that they'd probably want off the board. But uh, for me personally, I love this pick. The Broncos feel like the team that might end up walking away with a defensive tackle, and it's going to feel like a, it's a Derek Brown, it's Javon Kinlaw, yeah. and and that's and that's it, right? Yeah, I mean they they do they have some need. I guess they got Terrell Casey, but I don't think they need defensive tackle. They don't have a ton of needs. Is the thing on that roster? It's it's fairly well rounded. Now it doesn't mean it's a great roster, but they don't have a ton of like very big holes. All right, and then Sam comes back up at sixteen for the Atlanta Falcons. Where'd you go, Sam? Uh, again, I think they're uh, not in the best spot in the world. I think they need secondary help, though. And I kind of like Jalen Johnson. I think he's a guy that would fit a lot in that scheme. I think he was popping a lot in the some of the advanced numbers that I was slicing up cornerbacks with last uh, last week. I think he'd actually be a really intriguing 
addition to them. And I think a guy that could jump higher than people expect him to go in this first round. I keep saying that I think he's actually going to end up in the first round just because of, I know he didn't test great, but when you, he's the kind of guy that'd be easy to fall in love with. I think right. the Vikings would be a great fit for him. Yeah. He seems like a Mike Zimmer type of cornerback in terms of maybe he doesn't check all the measurable boxes, but a feisty, uh, feisty guy who you know, great in press, great in off. Like he just graded out really well, you know, well-rounded guy. So I do think the Falcons fit would be good. I think CJ Henderson schematically might be a little bit more what they do. Uh, but I think Jalen Johnson played better football last year. So it's, it's that one's a toss up to me. Yeah. I, I put CJ Henderson to the Falcons in my mock last week. And then when he falls to 17 with the next pick with Dallas, I grabbed Henderson. My debate with Dallas is I don't know if the Cowboys are a look ahead. I, I don't know how much long-term vision they have in their moves. If they have long-term vision, they're going to see Chidabe Awuzie, Jordan Lewis, Xavier Woods, all three guys in their secondary contracts are up at the end of the year. They're already not great back there. So I think cornerbacks a huge need, but that's if you're taking the long-term view, the Cowboys like to take the short-term view, I think. And so I don't know that they're going to go corner, but I went with Henderson there because I thought the value was good and you know, they, they need to get better short and long-term there. I, I like Henderson there. I, I think that would be ideal for the Cowboys. I think they want to keep Jordan Lewis in the slot. Like, I think that's probably his best role. I mean, I think he can play outside too, but I think that's where they'd like to keep him. And so you can't argue with the need and the value and obviously the value of the cornerback position. So I think I think that's a very realistic pick as well. Do you have a feel for where Dallas could go there? Do you think they're going to be looking at this group? Like, Does I think the corners start I to come off the I think they'll look the at the corners. Around corners, yeah. safety still, even though they signed HaHa Clinton-Dix. I think they could go someone like Xavier McKinney if he's there. I, I think signing Alden Smith was kind of under the rate under rated move i think he, i don't think they'll be fine with their edge at that point after all yeah. smith and not reach for one of those guys at 17 all right then sam comes up again at 18 this was washington's pick after trading down so this is miami's initial 18th overall pick heading into the draft and now it's the redskins where'd you go sam yeah i want to go receiver for the redskins i think that's a good spot of need for them and you know i've been talking all the way through this process and i think denzel mims might be the third best receiver in this class so with obviously Ruggs is going to go higher, Ruggs goes and he, beco- he becomes the fourth receiver that we take off the board. I think Denzel Mims to the Redskins with the free pick that they got and still taking Chase Young is an awesome first round for them. I like Mims a lot. I go back and forth on him because and at 18, I don't think it's too high to draft Mims. I, I think that's the type of talent he brings to the table. He was just so inconsistent with his releases at Baylor. Like he mm-hmm. he. The way he gets off the line, he just is straight up and down and runs a lot of his routes really high. But then he went to the senior bowl and didn't run routes like that and was like sinking off the line of scrimmage and just torching guys. So, like, I think he's capable of doing, uh, you know, really high level wide receiver things. It's just he was really inconsistent on tape with that and already a senior. That was a little worrisome. But like the senior bowl, what he was doing there, if you just watch that tape, you would draft this guy in the top ten. And that's what Sam likes to look at, that senior bowl tape, right? So, uh, I mean, it was nasty, though. It was So Mims definitely felt like he was just kind of – you mentioned the releases. I thought they just looked lethargic at times. I don't know. Yeah. Like he was just kind of cruising, cruising through. Um, we've written many articles on the website about Mims and how we should probably buy into the hype, right? Buy into the offseason hype. So is that is that the case? Sam's kind of bought in. Of all the people – 
you do do you take the film and say look he checked the box at the senior bowl checked the box at the combine everything's great mm-hmm. after the season and that's what we're going to weigh higher than say the snaps on the field I think it's one of those things where he showed he was capable of it right. and has all the athletic ability to do it and like elite athletic ability to do it. It was just some, whether it's maybe the offense that had him running just a lot of pure go routes or whether it was that he knew he could just win by being more physically dominant and didn't have to you know refine his routes, whatever it may be. Uh, I think there are valid reasons why to, why the senior bowl and the, and the combine, why those actually should matter after think, watching him on tape. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, you talked about this before as well, Mike. I know that the, the whole, his off-season actually mattering is because it answered certain questions that you don't yeah. get answered from his college tape, right? So the measurables thing is one thing, but the senior bowl as well, you get to see versus press coverage. You get to see versus legit competition. So it actually does answer some things that you're not going to get from just looking at his tape. And then the other point is what you were just saying. I think that the offense is significant because if all you're running and it wasn't all he was running, but if all you're running is go routes and hitches, you don't get the threat of the other routes to be able to set up what it is you want to do with your releases for the go routes and the hitches, right? When you're running the one-on-ones at the senior bowl, you can be running anything. So you can set up this release with the last release and you know there's the threat of anything out there when all you're running is goes and hitches like you've only got so much you can threaten the guy with before he just goes look i'm only covering these two things yeah this was an old school baylor under our briles sort right. of route tree where it literally was just that but it was i think it was still 50 percent of his almost 50 percent of his targets were either yeah. a go ball or a hitch like that's a massive, massive percentage for a top flight wide receiver. Still. And it's obnoxious to watch from an evaluation <laughs> standpoint. It is just like, let me get to some new stuff, please. Um, th- here's the one thing I'll say too: the, the off season that Mims had was football related too. It's not just like he right. blew up the combine. He did that. Yeah. Yes. But he showed tangible football improvement at the senior bowl. So that's why yeah. he's so intriguing there. Um, I was up at 19 with the second pick for the Raiders. I'm going Grant Delpit from LSU safety, a need uh, spectacular plays at the back end in coverage. Just have to ignore those 36 missed tackles over the last two years. No big deal. Yeah. I think after the cornerbacks kind of have gone here, which I think in real life, they're not like one of them's going to be on the board and they end up going cornerback. But I think any way you can help your coverage here, I would, the Grant Delpit fall is understandable. Why? Like his missed tackles are pretty egregious. But he can do things in coverage that like no other safety in this class can do. He's just so versatile in that regard that I'd, I think someone's still going to take a chance on him in the first round. I think someone's going to get a steal because eventually, like it's not like he's taking awful angles to tackles. He's just you know not wrapping up. It's a, I, I think that'll get smoothed out to a degree to where they're not going to be a massive, massive issue in Grant's help. It. Like it's not like who's the Justin Evans, the Texas A&M safety yeah. a few years back. Yeah, he was had just like, like 23 his senior he year. He was all over. Like yeah. he, his, his missed tackles were him taking bad angles and just diving uh, right. you know, recklessly. That's not Delpit, in my opinion. Uh, by the way, this was uh, since we made since we did this mock draft, Eli Apple's supposed contract with the Raiders did fall through. Mm-hmm. So there was a point where it looked like it was going to be Eli Apple and Trayvon Mullen as the starting outside corners. They got Demaris Randall now, yeah. Yeah, so, so so things have changed a little bit in the secondary there, but I think not having Apple locked up just, does open up corner more for the they Raiders. They need to though. move Lamarcus Joyner back to safety. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. they need to do. They look like ass in the slot. Yeah. All right, so that puts uh, where are we at number twenty. So now Sam's back on the board. 
for the Jaguars. Where'd you go, Sam? Yeah, I didn't want to do this. I wouldn't have done this where the Jags were picking with their first first round pick, and I don't even love doing it here, but I think the Jags are probably going to bite the bullet and take a quarterback given that they have the two uh, picks to burn and ultimately what the hell are they going to do if they don't have any starting quarterback. Minshew, Minshew was good enough to make you move on from the mistake that was Nick Foles, but I don't think Minshew is you know your future for 10 years. So I think they're still in the quarterback market or at least doubling their chances that they have one, at which point they're the team that grabs Justin Herbert in the first round. I don't I don't hate drafting him here. The, the arm is obviously – there is a lot to like. Like once the ball leaves his hand and he's, you know, thrown in rhythm, usually things go well. It's just the whole not throwing – you know, not being able to deduce coverages, not throwing rhythm, not taking the good shots down the football field – uh, not being able to find those and not playing winning football is the biggest thing with Herbert. I, I do have a take, though, that I would rather draft Jordan Love, even though J- Justin Herbert's higher on our board. I, as a team-building strategy, I would rather draft Jordan Love because he's going to give you two likely outcomes. He's either going to crash and burn pretty hard or he's going to turn into a viable quarterback. I think with Justin Herbert, you run the risk of purgatory, sort of, where he looks good in one game and, like, you're like, ooh, look at that, and like tantalizes you, but then like has a bunch of blah for the next four games, and it's not great, but he's the kind of guy who I feel like you can be stuck with for the next four years, banking on, ooh, will this be the year he finally turns it around? Whereas with Jordan Love, it's either going to hit or it's going to look really ugly, and you're going to know probably sooner than later. So so the Jags are going to get another Blake Bortles because Bortles had four or five. I, I remember I always more Tannehill. More tantalizing than Bortles, yeah. I mean, I always just no, more Ryan Tannehill. Oh, than, more Ryan Tannehill. Or, or yeah. it's like, or it's actually, he's not costing you games, but he's also not. Yeah. Like, it's never quite there. I mean, Bortles would have four or five games where he looked like, okay, this guy's a viable starter. Just do that for sixteen. But that was mm-hmm. a struggle. Um, but you also described a Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, Kaiser was bad for four games, but the fifth game was great, and he would literally show everything you want to see. If you're talking about tick yeah. the boxes. As in, can yeah. you do it once? Deshaun Kaiser ticked every box. The, the he just boxer. hardly ever did it. Um, he just did it once. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tough thing. I think from a Jags perspective, though, you have two first-rounders, and the Jalen Ramsey trade has bought you a shot at a quarterback. And I think you take that shot, and that's how you kind of Herbert, view that Herbert feels like the quarterback that, you know, that the sort of the idea of developing quarterbacks now is just dead. It, it, you don't, they don't, it doesn't happen. Nobody sits for any extended period of time. It's like, in theory, some guys are supposed to, and then it's, oh, crap, the guy that was supposed to start is so bad that we need to throw somebody out there, and it doesn't matter that he's not ready. So, but like, Justin Herbert feels like a quarterback that could genuinely benefit from like a year of not playing, right? Just a year to be in the system, <clears throat> learn how to play, learn what to do, spend the entire time working off to the side, you know, with the QB coach or whatever. And Minshew will steer us to seven and nine just through being Minshew, right? And then next year, we can actually see what we have in Justin Herbert when we've decided that Minshew wasn't good enough to win. I like that. I mean, a lot of it's up here, like with Herbert. It's between the ears is the the issues I have with his game. It's not necessarily the physical. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, we've talked about some of the, yeah, where's the fourth quarter comebacks and go win Mm -hmm. a game. It's just not always there with Herbert. All right, so I'm back up at 21 with the Philadelphia Eagles, another team. I know people are talking linebacker here for them, right? And well, because their linebackers suck, they're bad, <laughs> so bad. But they, yeah. so they also have a history of you know D line, O line, right? All mm-hmm. trench warfare when it comes to the Eagles. 
But I also think receivers, because of the class, absolutely should be in play. So I want Jalen yeah. Rager here from TCU, add that deep threat, and be uh, the Des- Deshaun Jackson replacement down the road. I like it. I, I even though I, you know Deshaun Jackson is coming back, and you do have you know just drafted a guy in the second round last year, and still have Alshon Jeffrey. Like you don't necessarily need wide receiver like you do a linebacker, but like Jalen Rager gets to. I mean, just add some explosiveness to that offense. And if Deshaun Jackson, no spring chicken chicken at this point in his mid-30s, uh, if he doesn't have it still, or if he's, you know, gets injured again, you need that speed in the offense. Like, you can't risk what happening what happened last year where you just had no one to threaten deep. And that's Carson Wentz where he wins. So, yeah, I, I do like I do like adding wide receiver here with how good this class is. Right. It, it feels like he, even if it's not a need, Rager brings something different to the table. I debated T. Higgins here. Do you think he's too redundant to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? I, I do, because, again, it's the vertical aspect that just, like, no one respected last year with the Eagles. You just need someone to bring that to the table, because that's not that's not Jeffrey's game. That's not J.J. or, or I, I'm not going to call him. J.J. Do it the right way. Game. I'm not going to no, know. I Mike's with me. Mike's no, not no, doing do it, it that way. Do it the We're same not... way. Arcega. It's Arcega. J.J. Yeah. Uh, J.J. is That's not his <laughs> game either. All right. Sam's up at 22 with the first of the two first round picks for the Vikings. Yeah. So the Vikings have boxed themselves into a corner where if they don't come out of the first round with the very minimum one of a receiver or a cornerback, they are screwed. Now they might not have to take two of them though. To be honest, that's probably the way to do it. Um, so a couple of cornerbacks have already gone off the board, but I really like Jeff Gladney as a fit for this defense as well. So I think they're relatively happy taking him here, even though a couple of corners have already gone. Yeah. I think the fits really good. Him and, like I said, him and Johnson fit really well, in my opinion, with what the Vikings do. Gladney played a ton of quarters at TCU. That's like uh, uh, that's their mo. There, what's the what's his name? The Gary Patterson. That's his coverage. Uh, that's I mean Zimmer plays a ton of quarters and split safety stuff. So uh, I, I think he would seamlessly fit in there. And then the need, like I have people saying that they go D line back to back, and I just can't imagine them not addressing at least corner and wide receiver. Yes. With one of those two first round picks, at least one of them. Like yeah. they, they're just so bad at both those positions right now. Yeah. I mean, they, realistically, they probably should address both, but they do have so many picks in this draft. They don't have to force anything. We'll see what they do with their second one when I come up. Mm. In a, yeah. you know, a few I mean, picks, I think but. you, have, you if, split the GMs up here. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah we yeah, just did just every other. Alternate. It was easier. I, I think if if this draft fell in an optimum way for the Vikings, they would end up with one of the receivers and one of the cornerbacks. But if it doesn't, I think they have, that's the thing, right? I think they have enough other needs mm-hmm. that they, as long as they get one of those, they can live with the fact that the board doesn't fall that way and they end up going D-line or another position with one of the first rounders, but they, they've got to come away with at least a corner or a receiver with one of yeah. these two first rounders. I think the rest of this first round gets really interesting now. So the Patriots are up at 23. Obviously, they need a quarterback. They don't have a second round pick. I didn't want to force Jordan Love here. I could absolutely see it happening. I could, you know, to your point, Mike, there's there's the quote unquote upside. There's the bust factor. He's another guy. His highlight reel. You could say it about every player, but his highlight reel truly is really top 10 caliber because you're seeing Mm -hmm. like sidearm cover two shots and throws on the run and you're seeing everything you want to see. And then some from Jordan Love. Um, but then I decided to go full on safe Derek Brown pick for the Patriots at 23 <laughs> at defensive tackle. The values there, maybe. That's what I think once you get to around, like I said, 15 or so, he's going to be he's going to be one of the best players in this draft class. Like he's just 
he's very safe in that regard. He's just already very talented in the way he wins. He's easily projectable to the NFL. So uh, you just worry that he's not that athletic. He's not particularly explosive uh, and hasn't been dominant or close to dominant as a pass rusher. So those things obviously don't move the needle as much for the Patriots on the interior. They love run suffers. His game fits exactly what the Patriots asked from their defensive tackles. So, yes, I think this pick is a slam dunk for them. This is where I went more like, here's what I think the Patriots would do based off how the how the board's falling right now. Mm -hmm. He'll go Uh, earlier. I've got another like, here's what the team will do pick later on. You'll see that one. But anyway, the uh, Sam's up with the Saints at 24. Yeah, Saints at 24. I think uh, receiver was a thing for them before they uh, signed Emmanuel Sanders. I think they probably take that off to the point where they don't need to chase it. And I really like Xavier McKinney as a future Malcolm Jenkins replacement. I think their roster is in good enough shape that they can kind of draft for next year rather than this year. And that feels like a really good succession plan pick for them in the first. Yeah, they really might be the most complete roster. At at this point, I'd probably go linebacker though but i mean xavier mckinney he played linebacker at alabama last year if you want to just drop him in next to uh demario davis there i wouldn't even hate it as him you know putting him at linebacker to start his career so uh yeah i i think talent wise uh, i'm not going to argue with that here patrick queen would make sense for them as well if he fell all the way to 24 but yeah xavier mckinney i mean he'll see the field at least as a first rounder whereas you know, you draft some other positions on this roster, they might not even see the field. That would add some versatility to that defense with Chardney, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back there, Malcolm Jenkins, and then Xavier McKinney. That's three three guys that can kind of move around the defense a little bit uh, for the Saints. All right, so... Um, positionless I'm up, defense. Positionless <laughs> defense, that's right. Well, well wait till the Ravens. Uh, so... At 25, the Vikings are back up on the clock. I was looking at all the receivers. So I'm looking at T. Higgins, the next receiver on our board, and I'm thinking, would he fit with Kirk Cousins? Would Kirk Cousins give him as enough opportunities to make plays? Maybe. I think T. Higgins could be a fit there. I ended up just deciding to go half, half what I would do, half what they might do, and say, okay, Jordan Elliott is the next defensive tackle on our draft board. I think they will want to get better there as soon, you know, after they get that cornerback. So I went Jordan Elliott, the Missouri interior rusher. Yeah, they need, I mean, Shamar Stefan had like, what do you have, fewer than 10 pressures in a full season last year? It was yeah. awful. Like they, they, they'd need some interior pass rush with how, uh, just with now how depleted their defensive line is outside of uh, the guy whose name's escaping me from LSU. But uh, yeah, I, I think that, that would... Daniel Hunter, there we go. I, I think that Jordan Elliott, I, I really can't believe he hasn't gotten more sort of hype throughout the process. He's he's just really good. I don't, I don't know how to like, <laughs> right. he's just really good. Not like, not a bad athlete or anything. There's no real, there's not a ton of, you know, negatives to his game that I don't see why a lot of people aren't higher on him. I was going to ask you that. Uh, sometimes I, I purposely stay in our own bubble just to make sure that our evaluations are clear and I'm not getting influenced, but I haven't heard a ton of hype for Elliott. Is he projected to go no. in the second round, lower? Like, are we the only ones that are pushing yeah, him? Yeah, I think he's more like late second round kind of guy. Wow. But in the same sort of vein as guys like uh, like Neville Gallimore and guys who are just like, they're, they're probably not going to go in the first, but you know, some, somewhere off the board on sec- day two. It, it does look like a good crop of, you know, second and third round interior D linemen, but I, I think Elliott's that third first round caliber type of player. So uh, 
Dolphins are back up on the board with uh, Sam at number 26. Where'd you go here, Sam? Uh, well, they got Tua in the, the top, so now they need to fix the offensive line, which was historically wretched last year. I know they attacked it in free agency a little bit, but like not in a way that would encourage you tremendously. So I think they're going to go um, offensive line, and at the moment, I think the best potential day one starter for them would be Jonah Jackson. I love Jonah Jackson, and if this were real, like if that actually happened, it's not going to actually happen. He's going to go probably the third round at the earliest, but I mean, I, th- I think it is a massive, massive upgrade. To me, he's a far, far better prospect than Michael Dieter, who they drafted last year. Uh, Eric Flowers, obviously, who they signed uh, in free agency is not anything great, but they do need tackle is the only problem here, and... I don't. I don't see any of those guys being able to kick out to tackle, especially yeah, Eric they Flowers. They need everything, right? To, yeah, like their entire offensive line. Like Ted Karras is pretty rough, but they did promise Ted Karras a starting job, right? So I he don't was know solid if, last year, but yeah, I mean that's. I mean he might be their, one of their better linemen as part of the issue. Yeah. Um, my question, Mike. Chris Lindstrom went in the middle of the first round. I mean, every year there's a guy, there's a second round guard. Mm-hmm. Not every year, but you know, it always feels like there's a second round guard who just goes at 15 or 18 or 21 or whatever it is. Is there a guard that shouldn't be going in the first round that ends up there? I bet Cesar, Ru- Cesar Ruiz is that guy. If someone does sneak in, it's a guard, the Michigan center, or yeah, center slash guard, interior right. offensive lineman. Right. Yeah, I bet he could sneak in. I'm not sure anyone else is though. At this, I, I, it's really not that. No one really ticks a lot of boxes on the interior after him. Uh, the, the only thing I, I get worried about again going into like our little world here where we're so focused on the pass game so focused on mm-hmm. receivers and corners and that's where the depth is in this draft and tackle but the nfl still loves to win inside out and the trenches and all that stuff that's why christian wilkins goes top 15 last year that's why dexter lawrence goes high that's why chris lindstrom goes in the middle first like there's going to be these picks there's always the random mm-hmm. safety that shows up out of nowhere right uh terrell edmonds or whoever there's always a random safety and a random guard and i you know if you're if you're not worried about positional value that's fine but if you are it feels like you know some good players end up dropping so um anyway number 27 overall the seahawks are on the board and this is where i went full seahawks and i said jonathan taylor maybe not the best running back on our board but the best running back for what the seattle seahawks want to do which is establish that run which is play three (laughs) running backs Obviously, yeah. I hate this pick, and <laughs> I think Seahawks fans would also hate this pick. Yes, um, yes. Let's not, show Mina uh, this this mock. And see what she says. There's not like great edge rushers here for them, which is obviously their biggest need. Uh, I think uh, yeah. they tried to draft from last year, and he has not been good. LJ Collier. So that offensive tackle too. I could see going like Ezra Cleveland. I think that's. So they love those athletic offensive linemen. Right. That's who I mocked them last time. Is Ezra Cleveland, the Boise State guy with the best three cone, best short shuttle at the combine of any offensive lineman. I, I'm not. I can't get on board with him as a first rounder. But uh, the Probably tackle more is kind of Taylor, though, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any of these guys that I'm mentioning right now would would impact them more than Jonathan Taylor would. So what about, what about Ashton that's, Davis? That's, your, that's at the first F grade there, Steve. All right, perfect. Ashton I, Davis. I'd love Ashton Davis there. Oh, I should have done that. I'll, I'll put Ashton Davis in there to play safety then for the Seahawks. They are really difficult to predict in general, right? They drafted Rashad Penny a couple years ago, LJ oh, Collier. Man. Like we yeah. really, Bruce Irvin, when they made that pick, 
uh, eight years ago, like nobody had him even in the mm-hmm. second round. Right? I mean, they they're always going to do something different. So um, I did something different with the PFF mock and went running back. Mm. Uh, Sam's up at number 28 with the Ravens. I think this is fascinating. Yeah, I don't love um, this player generally as a prospect. I get certain vibes of certain comps that scare me a little bit. So I think there's a reason he's been slipping in this mock. But I think if with one team that's going to figure out, A, what he is, and B, how to use him the best, it's the Baltimore Ravens in that offense that's already unique and tailored to a bunch of different people's specialities. So the Ravens halt the slide of LaVisca Chenault. I love it. I think... Again, if you draft LaVisca Chenault, it has to be with a plan. He's not just going to be your outside wide receiver. He's not going to be like CeeDee Lamb, where you just, oh, I got myself a number one wide receiver. No, he needs to to get the ball schemed into his hands. But the thing is, when the ball's in his hands, he's as dangerous as any wide receiver in this class. Like He's just a freak in what he can do physically. Uh, But then also, when's he going to be on the football field is the other thing. Just pulls his his, uh, groin at the combine, has surgery after that, had multiple surgeries before last season. They didn't even, they took him out of that role at Colorado just to keep him healthy where they were feeding him the ball and getting him wildcat snaps last season or two seasons ago. Didn't do it last season because he was just so banged up. So that's kind of very concerning. We talk about the injury risk, guys. He's one who's very likely to fall because of all that injury red flags and background, but man, he is fun to watch with the ball in his hands. You just, the Ravens, I, I agree, get them more dynamic weapons that are just headaches for opposing defense coordinators. Cause that's, that's what, uh, if you're creative enough, if you have a guy like Greg Roman, that's going to win. Yeah. I mean, if he's healthy, by the way, your comp in the draft guide, Saquon Barkley, that's what you said yeah. for wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. I mean, it's explosive. It's not a good receiver. So if you put that on the Ravens offense where you know they'll find a way to, I think that would be incredible. Um, The guy I keep pairing them with them is Julian O'Quara from Notre Dame, Mike, who I think Mm -hmm. from a positionless football standpoint, I think they would absolutely find a way to use as an edge rusher slash linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. I love Aquara. I love Zach Bond fit for them. Yeah. Just guys who athletic and can blitz and get after the quarterback, uh, and can get to the quarterback quickly also being a big part of that. The Wildcat snaps thing is is interesting with Chanel because I think that's that is the sort of hallmark of having a guy that you have no idea what to do with, but is a special athlete, right? Mm-hmm. You think it like guys like uh, Ty Montgomery at Stanford. It's like, well, he's not a very good wide receiver, but he's a really dynamic athlete. How the hell do we get him the ball? Let's give him some Wildcat snaps. That way he has the ball right away. It's perfect. Like... There's teams, I think teams need to figure out a better way of getting the ball in the hands of guys like that. And if if there's any team that's going to be able to achieve it, A, it's the Ravens because they've already shown they're willing to do that kind of thing. And B, it's the Ravens because there's no way in hell they're taking the ball out of the hands of Lamar Jackson to give him wildcat snaps. Mm-hmm. Have, we we had him on the 2 for one draft, LaVisca, and he said his favorite route was the wildcat. Let's get him the ball. Of course, just put the ball in his hands. I, one more question about the Ravens. Uh, Caleb on Chason that we mentioned, the edge rusher from LSU. We're lower on him mm-hmm. than the NFL, potentially. Are we talking about a top 15 pick for him, or is he a guy that could be there in the back end of the first? Because he's another guy whose athleticism is so incredible. I've never seen anybody, the way he's like on stunts, his agility and burst and all that stuff. I mean, again, the Ravens would use him really well. I just don't know if he's there. I, I bet he goes top 20. 
Yeah. I just think someone's going to, maybe it's, I don't know who, maybe the Dolphins at 18. Someone's just going to like, uh, we need edge so badly. We need pass rush so badly. Take pass rush. Take next pass rusher. And he's probably the next pass rusher after Chase Young for a lot of teams. All right. So 29, Tennessee Titans are on the board. I think there's a couple different ways they could go. I went wide receiver in T Higgins. And I said, look, if I'm going to invest in Ryan Tannehill, I'm going to make it the best possible situation for him. Corey Davis contract up at the end of the year. But they already have a Hall of Famer, Corey Davis. Listen, Sam, he could listen. He'll find he'll pair with someone else. (laughs) Year two is team two is where he really. Yeah. Second contract (laughs) Hall of Famer, as I predicted. Uh, But you're talking about a year from now. T right now you have T Higgins, Corey Davis Mm -hmm. and AJ Brown on the field. And then it's AJ Brown plus T Higgins. Give Tannehill all the weapons so that he could do what he did last year. Yeah, this one's kind of like a path to see the field sort of problem for me. Just because you got Corey Davis, AJ Brown, Adam Humphreys. He, you're if none of them get hurt, you're looking at 150 snaps for T. Higgins in year one, and then and then yes, Corey Davis leaves. But like it's your first round pick, you'd like them to start impacting pretty early on when you have that good of a roster. I mean, they made AFC Championship game last year. It's you know on paper a good roster. You got to get someone who can add right away. I think tackle is probably your biggest sort of red flag mark on the roster. Dennis Kelly. Now he's not disastrously bad, but you'd like to upgrade over that. So still a swing guy, right? Yeah. So um, maybe like a Ben Barch here, or I mean, there's some. Uh, Any there's no real interior defensive lineman left on the board, or great edge guys that. I mean, actually, edge guys that could go. The edge guys kind of dropped a little bit in our yeah. in our mock here. Um, are there any tackles in our world? I think what we have five first round tackles, right? Yes. Five. And then how big is the drop off? Because again, that's another position. Like you mentioned Ezra Cleveland or Ben Barch. I mean, those guys could sneak into the first. We saw Caleb McGarry sneak into the first last year. We had him as a third round prospect. Uh So how big is the drop off between our first round and our second round of tackles in in your mind? So I think I like Barch. Uh, I like Niang Driscoll and, uh, and Cleveland. But there's a pretty big drop off, in my opinion, between yeah. those top guys and then after that. All right, so maybe I like those top guys that feel good about all becoming starters and like capable starters early on. Those other guys, it's like maybe they do, right? At some point. All right, a couple more picks. We've got Sam at number thirty, uh, drafting for the Packers. Yeah, angering a lot of Packers fans because there's linebackers on the board and every Packers fan in the world thinks they're going to go linebacker in the first round. But instead, I'm going with uh, D-line reinforcements with uh, A.J. Epinesa. I think he can add an impact player in that kind of interior uh, alignment next to Kenny Clark and be a real force there for them. See, I think he's better. I think I wouldn't hate this pick. I I think he's a lot better than uh, Dean Lowry, who kind of plays that role for them now. They just gave a contract to... Uh, it's obviously a lot longer. I think he does need to put on some more weight. I think that's his ultimate because of what he was 275 maybe at the combine. Uh, he needs to get up to like 290 and play on the interior. But like that's I don't think that should be that hard. He's only a true junior, still a young guy coming out. So I think that's his best role. And then if that is his role, like the 5.1 second 40 is really not as big of a, di- a deal like that. You can win on the interior and not be a freak of nature athletically. So I would be willing to get on board with him to the Packers at 30 for sure. Is he going to fall out of the first round, or, is, or was he ever really in the first round mix? Is he, or is he another guy that is uh, a PFF was. creation? No, I think he was. Um, I just don't think. I, I do think that that 
those are legitimate red flags at five one with his athletic testing. Those are legitimately like below threshold if you're going to play on the edge in the NFL to like to where you're going to draft in round one. So I do right. think that's that really did actually hurt him a lot. Um, so then I, I'm up with the 49ers. They're a second first round pick at 31 overall. And I went Trevon Diggs, the Alabama corner. I think the scheme fit size length for what they want. Added more depth outside a corner. Yeah, scheme fits great here. Uh, I can't argue with that. I've kept saying that they they probably need biggest needs probably interior offensive line, but like don't draft that at thirty one. Yeah. But then they also don't have a second round pick, third round pick, or fourth round pick. So it's like this one makes a lot of sense if they were to trade back to right. try to get some more draft capital. And this could be where your random center or guard sneaks into the first round also. But I would much rather have Trayvon Diggs than random center or guard here. Some people hate Diggs as a prospect. Where are you on him? He's so, I mean, like, there's some bad on his tape for sure. And against Jamar Chase, it wasn't good. But he's still, like, he's only played cornerback for two years now. Uh, and this one year, his, that last year was one year removed off an ACL injury. Uh, and it really was just that LSU game where a lot of that bad came into play. And he has all the traits to, like, be a lockdown press coverage sort of cornerback. Uh, He's never going to be, you know, follow a guy across the whole field right. uh, sort of guy. But, like, in that scheme with the 49ers run, he's, I mean, could be, he could be a top 10 cornerback in the NFL with what he brings to the table. By the way, as loaded as could this be. receiver class is, would Jabbar Chase be the top guy off the board if he was eligible? I think no, he might be. I still I think like he might be. better. I don't know. Chase is, Chase is pretty legit. Chase good. He does he's it good. all. I still like Judy better. All right, Sam wraps Sam wrapped it up with the Kansas City Chiefs at 32 with Curtis Weaver, Boise State Edge. Yep. Um, I don't think they're taking linebacker, which is their area of strength right now. So let's give them a pass rusher to at least give them an out <laughs> to fix the Frank Clark thing somewhere down the line. Yeah, they really, the cornerbacks went in this draft. So there's right. not really an option for them there that I would feel great about. Linebacker, I, I might even go, even though the guys are lower on my board, it's a massive need for the Chiefs still linebacker. So I might, could even go a Patrick Queen there, mm-hmm. Kenneth Murray. But Curtis Weaver, dude, he's he's really good. I don't know I don't know how to describe, like, I, don't, I get why people are low on him, but I think he will be one of those guys that sort of bucks the mold in terms of winning at the NFL level. I just think he's, like, there's, there's not a deep edge class, but I think he is a first-round type of talent off the edge. I got to go back and watch Weaver again because you know how you know how you really do have to watch guys multiple times because you just sometimes you're in a mood or you know, whatever it is. When I watched him, it felt like all right, this guy's beaten up on right tackles, and he's he had a lot of times where he was just isolated on tight ends and running backs. So I'm over there like discounting his wins and discounting his wins, but he's got a lot of them. He graded really well, but I'm trying to yeah. add context to it. So I feel like I've got a a sour taste in my mouth when it comes to Weaver. Well, also, don't, and I just not shouldn't say don't, but the last four games of last season, and so a lot of people watch the bowl game against Washington because that's the best competition he faced, but he played through a high ankle sprain yeah. uh, the last four games. You just like couldn't move. It looked way different than it, any of his other games where he just like couldn't get to the top of the pocket at all. So right. uh, I would recommend watching, some, watching the FSU game. It would probably be his best tape. Yeah, I'll go back and... Uh rewatch weaver so he rounded things out so a lot of people are talking patrick queen as a first rounder is that do you think he ends up somewhere in the back half of the first round yeah i I think he does i thought the 
Raiders were always a real clean fit for him at like 19 until they signed two linebackers. And so there's not really a great, you know, need. Maybe the Falcons could go linebacker. Uh, so there's not a great need until you get, but some will jump in the back half. Maybe the Saints, uh, maybe the Chiefs. Some will jump on Patrick Queen. I, I think he's that. I think he has that ability and coverage that while he's still raw, like he moves real well for a linebacker. One other guy I want to ask you about, Justin Jefferson, the LSU wide receiver. A lot of people have him in the first round as well. I think you've been lower on him, but mm-hmm. kind of coming around to him. Where, where do you stand on Jefferson? He's just, he didn't face press last year and didn't do anything from the outside. He was all slot and he's a really crafty route runner from the slot, but running routes from slots a lot different than beating guys one-on-one. And he didn't, he did, he was asked to do that in 2018. And yes, it was a sophomore tape and he was, you know, a year older now, but he didn't do it that well in 2018. He wasn't a great separator when asked to win from the outside. So maybe I still am a little like anchoring bias there from watching in 2018 and yes, guys do develop, but I'm just worried that, you know, if you draft him at 21, or if you draft him at 31 or 30, you're going to ask him to be, you're asking that guy to be like a number one type of wide receiver. You're rarely drafting that guy just to play from the slot. And so I don't know. I know some people are really high on him, but I'm just like another like risk aversion where I'd, I'd rather just wait to the second round and draft guys who I feel better about winning from the outside. Yeah, I think it, it does depend on your mentality, Michael, because if, if you do say I have to make this guy a number one because he's a first round pick, you might fall into those issues. But if you do play to his skill set, he reminded me mm-hmm. a little of Victor Cruz, who was yeah. really good in the slot and had some route running on, on the outside. Like if you say, look, like you're going to be a high end number two. Um, for me, you know, mm-hmm. then I think you can get a lot out of them. Probably still uh, for, worth first, yeah. The one other thing, uh, Sam and I were going through the, the five teams that don't have a first round pick, and, and who got the best value out of um, these situations. Okay, so mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears, their first rounder is Khalil Mack for two years for the second straight year. Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> Mika Fitzpatrick, Texans, Larry Tunsil for year one of two. Uh, Los Angeles Rams, Jalen Ramsey for year one of two. And then the Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs. Uh, which of those teams got the most value out of the first round pick that they traded? <sighs> That's tough because, like, Ramsey didn't play great last year. Uh, I think going forward, I'd rather have Ramsey of that situation of all those. And Don't forget, uh, there's two first rounders for Khalil Mack, Laramie Tunsil, yeah. and Jalen Ramsey, yeah, too. That's the other Wait, issue. Jalen Ramsey was two first rounders? I believe so, right? Is it the next two? Oh shit! Well then, that I thought I I guess I misremember that. Um, then I would go make a Fitzpatrick. Then that one was because you got a lot of cost controlled years for only one first rounder, and now they they took the big risk in that that could have been a top five pick, right? And that's At why the I time, think they got yeah. that the best value. But they ended up being if it was only you know the what was it the eighteenth pick, nineteenth, yeah, eighteen, yeah. Then that was yeah, yeah. It's two first rounders for Ramsey. Great oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, never mind then. Fuck that. It's Mika Fitzpatrick. <laughs> it's <Mika> Fitzpatrick. <laughs> All right. Thanks for making our uh, our podcast R rated. We we have a lot of kids who listen to us, Mike. We used to be. Oh uh, my bad. No, I'm just. I don't. We used they're to be all fan Steve's friends. fans. They're all yeah. twelve. Apparently. They're all usually playing they're all behind in me. Steve's house right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're all running around here at uh, Pac Bell, AT and T, whatever park we are here. So yeah. Um, anyway, go check out Mike Renner. All of his work at pff.com. The draft guide is over 1,100 pages of greatness. He's done a fantastic job on all that. The podcast is two-for-one drafts. Him and Austin Gale tearing it up all season with 
rookie evaluation during the year draft evaluation all year round so sam and i can't do draft all year round those guys do so go check them out two for one drafts thank you mike for uh joining the pff nfl podcast once again yeah thanks for having me on fellas this was a good one all right so sam and i will be back on uh thursday sam you want to hit on some of the big uh draft narratives this week big stories all right we'll do that on thursday thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll see you guys later in the week quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place so every game that we're talking about right now you guys can rewatch it after the fact i'm gonna be going back and you guys can too go check out lamar jackson in week one go check out dak prescott and what that cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.